LinkedIn is really your brand. What would right. Jay-Z say? He said, I'm not a businessman. I'm a business man. Wow. Right? Wow. You're a business. I'm a business. <laughs> yes. These students are businesses and they have the brand. Yeah. And LinkedIn is how they can control their brand and show off their creations. Science, technology, engineering, and math are all great careers, but they're also fills with additional barriers to entry for women, people of color, and other amazing members of our community who have been historically marginalized in STEM. I'm Dr. Pamela McCauley, and welcome to Stepping Up STEM. On this show, I'm having conversations with impactful and passionate leaders making a difference in STEM education, innovation, and entrepreneurship. My guest today is Scott Kelly, Scott is the Director of Entrepreneurship at Campbell University and founder of Startup High. I'm very excited that he was able to take time off from his busy schedule to join us on the podcast today. Hey, Scott, welcome. Great to be here. Oh, with pleasure. So is all ours. On your LinkedIn profile, in your About section, you say, after several years of corporate life, I finally realized my greatest desire is to solve education problems man after my own heart already. What are some of the problems that you were looking to solve and that you continue to look to solve? You know, I, I see uh, two areas of opportunity in education, and that is mm-hmm. in connecting and creating, okay. right? I don't think our creating. students okay. connect enough mm-hmm. and they don't create enough. First, let's talk about connecting, right? Mm-hmm. We at Campbell University have 35,000 alumni on LinkedIn, and the question sometimes for students is, you, you're about to graduate from Campbell University. How many alumni are you connected with? Wow, good point. And, and what happens there throughout your career, you don't want to be begging for jobs. You want jobs. You want people to be calling you to say, I have this opportunity for you. Yes. Right? You don't want to you know, have to brush up your resume. And, and honestly, that's what's happened to me over, over the years. I've had friends call me and say, hey, there's mm-hmm. an opportunity here. Right. Come join us, right? Yeah. And so I'm convinced there's a causal relationship between mm-hmm. your career progression and your number of LinkedIn connections. Mm-hmm. And as you keep track and and, mm-hmm. and keep those relationships fresh, mm-hmm. those people will reach out when they have opportunities. And, and then and then you see your 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 career progress. Oh, beautiful point, boy. I know LinkedIn loves you. <laughs> so so that's the connected piece. Okay. And then the the creation piece is about every class you teach. What is the mm-hmm. end result? What what has been created as a result of that class? Right. And how do you show that to an employer? For example, you're going to graduate and an employer says, okay, you, you receive this degree. Show me what you've created as a result of that Okay, to manifest your, your uh, skills, sure. writing skills, presentation skills. So imagine a, a portfolio of here's my blog that shows my writing wow. skills. Here's a video to show my presentation skills. Here's a, an email marketing campaign I created in Mailchimp to show off my marketing skills. And so, really, what what, have, what are what are students creating as a result of their knowledge? Wow, Scott, that is fantastic. Those four things you ran down. Do you teach your students to do that? We do. We're, we're working on a research project right now to design portfolios that align with employers' desires. That's outstanding. And I mean, when I think about our STEM students, they're even worse, many of them, you know, in terms of their lack of, co- of connectedness, which is really unfortunate because when I think about 
years ago when I graduated, to connect to somebody, you had to mail a letter. And we were so thankful. People won't believe this, that, we, that I was around working before email came out. And now they have all of these platforms to connect on. So how would you suggest a person who may not have the good fortune or blessing of being at Campbell University or know you to do those things? I mean, are there some resources out there that they can connect to on you? They can get you on LinkedIn. They definitely <laughs> connect with me on LinkedIn for sure. You know, and the power of LinkedIn is secondary connections. So, right. for example, if you connect with me, all of a sudden you've opened up your network to wow all my connections, right? And then mm-hmm. uh, it just grows from there. So students have a special card that they mm-hmm. don't know about. It's a student card, right? And when you hear from pretty a student, much yes. every time you if if you create a, a, mm-hmm. a connection request and say, "Hey, I'm a student in NC State," or "I'm a teenager." at this high school, right? pretty much everybody will connect with you if, you if you create this environment for them to want to help you. And most professionals I've interacted with have right. want, I've, uh, connected with individuals and been willing to help. I'm, that is so very true. I know I have a, a soft spot in my heart for students who reach out to me. So give them just a little snippet of what they might say if, if you've got someone out here who is interested in doing that. What might they say if you're a high school student or undergrad, you want to reach out to a connection on LinkedIn? Sure. My name is Scott. I'm a high school student at Butler County High School. I was reviewing your LinkedIn and am interested in becoming a a digital marketing strategist and would love Mm -hmm. to connect with you and ask you a few questions if you have 10 minutes next Tuesday or next Thursday. I can call you on your way to work. Wow. I hope every young person out there <laughs> is listening to this and some of the old ones, because think about it. As we get older throughout our career, I think it's so powerful what you said about people coming to you for jobs or opportunities. And I know I have been very fortunate and blessed to have a lot of relationships and connections. And even this job here at NC State, my as associate dean, I was called and asked to consider applying for this. So everything you're saying, there is good, solid proof that what you're saying is true. So talk to us a little bit more about your role at Campbell University. Sure. Well, we believe in leading with purpose at Campbell. And Love it. Love it. There's a process to find your purpose. Right. I've started my work at IBM after my undergrad, and, and I didn't really understand that until I started to get into education and, and really find my groove, if you will. Okay. And so we at Campbell, we're—, we're hoping students get out of the creek. We're in Bowie's Creek, and you know you need to get out of the creek to do internships and projects, and hopefully through that process of connecting with alumni, doing internships, that eventually students mm-hmm. will find their purpose and what they feel like is in alignment with their skills and talents and mission and purpose. Mm-hmm. And so we, we hope we're connecting students to all those resources to, to really lead with purpose. That is so cool. Um, I always like to say I like to feel like and I focus on living a purpose-driven life uh, because I'm a woman of faith. But even beyond my faith realm, just everything I do, I want to make sure that it does positively impact the world and that I'm, I'm while I'm moving through this space and time, I'm accomplishing what I'm supposed to accomplish and touching the lives of those who I really am meant to touch. You know, one of the things, and I want to I get back to your entrepreneurial focus, but one of the the challenges I see oftentimes with, and you know, I work with women in STEM and innovation entrepreneurship, is women are more reluctant to reach out. 
and ask for that connection or ask to connect me to somebody who's in your network. Uh, How might we go about doing a better job of getting more women to be willing to reach out? It's a great question. You know, as educators, um, we're always looking for guest speakers through a given semester. I may have five or 10 guest speakers come in, especially we have an accelerator too. So we're always looking for mentors. So I think as educators, we can bring in a lot more diverse speakers to interact with our students. Okay. And, and then and then maybe it becomes a, uh, an easier ask or, you know, that every, right. they look like them. They they have been down the same road. So I think as educators, we can do a better job yeah. of um, bringing, bringing folks in that. You said a mouthful right there. I mean, seriously, as educators, what's this, the old saying? If you can see it, you can be it. Sure. And so as educators, I think we have a huge responsibility. And I don't say this just because I'm an African-American woman who's in STEM and there are so few Um, But I know what a difference it makes for young people when they see someone. I had a such a powerful moment when I arrived at NC State. I was here about um, about nine months. And of course, we're all in Zoom land because it was I joined in the middle of the pandemic. And there was a young woman. They had asked me to do a a speech on campus via Zoom. And so there was a young lady who when she, she said she didn't have a question, but a statement. I gave a presentation on STEM and she said, I am a PhD student now. She said, I heard you speak the first time when I was in middle school. And when I saw you, I said, I can be an engineer. And it still just blows me away and just touches my heart when I see that. And we still need more of that today. And and one of the things um, that I've also found to be very powerful, and I think you're probably one of our allies, oftentimes we don't understand how powerful it is to have people who are different from us. I've had white male mentors. I've had uh, African-American male mentors, white female mentors. And so oftentimes young people who might be interested in entrepreneurship but think that, well, uh, Scott's not going to talk to me. I'm not. Uh, but I have found that my allies and allyship is, has been so powerful throughout my career. And so I, one of the things I want to say to women and to those underrepresented in STEM, don't be afraid to connect or link in with someone who doesn't look like you. Who's not from your area? I mean, that's that's what these platforms are for, for us to be able to reach and connect with folks. So I'm just, that was a, a big old amen, Love Scott. Love it. Thank you. <laughs> yes. So uh, we talked about your role at Campbell, but I'm, I'm so excited about your what you're doing as it relates to entrepreneurship. So talk to me a little bit more about some of those activities. You know, back in 2012, I was working in downtown Durham. And at that point, the Durham startup scene was starting to emerge American Underground, right. and I remember touring. I, went there, yeah. I remember touring American Underground when it was a shell. It was all. Wow. It was just getting started, and I got to know a lot of business leaders, a lot, a lot of entrepreneurs in the area. Was transitioning to Duke and had an opportunity to work with several Durham Public School students and Emily K Center students, and and we launched a summer program for teenagers, for high school wow. students and middle school students uh, in downtown Durham in 2012. You've and, launched a lot of programs, Scott, it sounds well, like. <laughs> it, you know, the communities have been so supportive. That's fantastic. Um, and really, it was a result of a co-working space like we're in today. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, one of the Christopher Gergen was a part of that years ago in downtown wow. Durham. So it really comes full circle. And um, so here's a quick story about a student. Mm-hmm. So we're launching that program. It was a week-long program. Mm-hmm. We would visit companies in downtown Durham. We would... 
uh, do programs like rejection therapy. They would learn to get rejected and wow. not crumble. Right. Uh, they did LinkedIn. They did service in the community. We worked at Durham Central Park. Wow, uh, I know some folks who need rejection therapy training right now. <laughs> <laughs> my, it drives my wife crazy and my kids. But uh, uh, anyway, uh, but uh, but we visited a Mexican restaurant called Dos Peros. Okay. We ate there, and then the, the owner talked to us about running a restaurant. Mm-hmm. And one of the students approached the owner and said, I've looked at your marketing, and I believe I can do better. This is a high school student. Wow, and, I love it. And that was on a Tuesday. And then on Friday, we're about to give our final presentations, which is part of the program. And the student approached me and said, I can't, I can't do this right now. I need to go meet with the owner of the Mexican restaurant because he <laughs> wants me to give him a presentation. So he left, wow. walked up the street, and the owner was very impressed with this student. And, and so he hired the student for $15 an hour. And he said, oh, by the way, I have another restaurant. I, I hope you can do the, the marketing for that restaurant as well. And so That's fantastic. My experience has been when students are immersed in this mm-hmm. environment, sure. that these organic things happen, and they see, oh, I could do this or I could do that. Right. And, and the community, like I said, has just been uh, very supportive and, and willing to help a but lot of the Scott, teenagers. Just think about how powerful it is that that student had that experience, put it to work, and then got that opportunity. But long term, you probably have no idea the impact that that has had on him because these are skill sets that he will carry his re- the rest of his life. And that's why I want so much to see more young folks get involved in this. So tell me about some of the other resources that are available to the students that you work with. Uh, sure. Well, let, let's talk about Shark Tank for a second. Okay. Can we talk about Shark we Tank? We sure can. We're, Big fan of Shark Tank. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love it and 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 don't love it for a couple of different reasons. Mm-hmm. I love it because it is definitely inspiring, and I've actually been able to work with Mark Cuban on a on really? an event. So oh, that's small so cool. thing, but but l- big fan of his. Um, Me too. But sometimes students might watch Shark Tank and think, "I don't have an idea. I can't be an entrepreneur because I don't have an idea," and that's a myth. And mm-hmm. so. Say that one more time. It is a myth. If 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 you say I can't do entrepreneurship because you don't have an idea, that's a myth. There are things you can do, and so let's Absolutely. start in the beginning. Um, most students will come to our programs and be excited about doing entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. but think it's too big or think you know I, I'm not Mark Zuckerberg. I can't do that. <laughs> right. I love it when students start with very simple service businesses. So my son, who oh, this, this will, my daughter is going to love this podcast. Yes, she always says there's not enough for people with service business ideas. There you go. So my son approached me a couple years ago and said, "Dad, I need some money." I said, "Okay, well, how are you going to earn some money?" He said, "I think I can power wash driveways." I said, "Okay, let's do it." <laughs> so he went around the neighborhood, knocked on doors, knocked on seven doors, and eventually one person said, "Yes, you can power wash my driveway." Okay. So he power washed the driveway. For $50. Yay. Took him about two hours. I love it. Then he started working at Chick-fil-A, and I said, hold on. How much are you working at? How much do you get paid at Chick-fil-A? He said, you know, eight bucks an hour or something. Mm-hmm. So let's do some math, okay? Two hours, $50. Two hours at Chick-fil-A, $16. Wow. What would you rather be doing? You know? And so I'm a big fan Good of service for you. businesses. Good you for know, you. You talk about how to start. Let's, let's say we anybody but, listening to this podcast is like, Okay, I'm, I want to do something. How do I start? Knock I on some doors and convince them to walk their dog, wow. teach their kids piano, 
babysit, mow their lawn, and power wash their driveway. I love you know, it. I love it. Listen, I got to stop right here let's, and let's give it. you some kudos, some mad kudos. When your son said, I, I need some money, instead of reaching your pocket, you said, how are you going to earn it? I bet every parent wants to hear this right now. So I love that. And look at and then prepared him. So did he st- go back to his uh, power washing business? Outstanding. Outstanding. And, you know, I think if we have more of that mindset with uh, our young people that we're bringing up that... Those folks, because some people say, well, I don't want to be an entrepreneur. I want, you know, I don't want that, that responsibility. But and the entrepreneurial mindset, I mean, having employers want people that are innovative and entrepreneurial minded. So I, I want everyone to hear that this is a mindset. Obviously, you can take it and start a business. But even if you don't, it will benefit you if you go to work in a corporation, if you're in an academic environment. So there's so many different things that will benefit you if you're doing this. Let's talk a little bit about LinkedIn and how teenagers might build a LinkedIn profile because obviously if you're in high school, you you don't have all of the credentials and history. So how might a young person build a LinkedIn profile? Even at the college level, most of the responses are, what do I put on my LinkedIn? Because I don't have anything. I said, well, the first thing you could do, if you start a service business, if you start oh. a dog walking business, your first experience is founder of Pamela's dog walking business, right? <laughs> and all of a sudden you have something to put on your LinkedIn. And you can put your details, you know, knocked on doors and negotiated with customers and created right. pricing and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So the first thing, if if you're willing to be entrepreneurial, you can you can build your LinkedIn with that. Mm. The other thing is um, the reason LinkedIn is so powerful is because you can put media, right? So mm, talk, okay. going back to creations, right. you know, what have you created? Have you created an infographic with Canva? Have you created a website? Have you created a wow. blog, video, name all that, and, and, and adding your, your brand? LinkedIn is really your brand. What did right. Jay-Z say? He said, I'm not a businessman. I'm a business man, wow. right? Wow. You're a business. I'm a business. <laughs> yes. These students are businesses, and they have the brand. Yeah. And LinkedIn is how they can control their brand and show off their sure. creations. I am so motivated to upgrade my LinkedIn profile after this. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm. Th- this has been very, very good for me. So now, what is Startup High? I'm eager to hear more about that. Sure. You know, Startup High is my summer passion. There, there is nothing I enjoy more than preparing for Startup High. So here, here's how it works, really. So we've done this in 12, 15 different cities. Wow. And it's about immersing teenagers into the local business economy. Okay. And started in 2012 in downtown Durham, and we've since done it in... Burlington, Hillsboro, Durham, Virginia Beach, Raleigh, Charlotte, Lillington, you know, several cities around North Carolina. And it's usually a four or five day program. And it's when students visit companies and they research Mm. the companies, they engage the business owners and entrepreneurs really to help put some things on the radar. This week, we are running Startup High in uh, Hillsboro, which I was, because I live in Hillsboro, so I was I was involved specifically with this, and we visited a violin maker in downtown Hillsboro. We visited an art gallery. Oh, cool. We visited a software developer who was, you know, doing computer programming. We visited a real estate firm, um, a guy who does ghost tours of really? Hillsboro. <laughs> so, so not only you know companies, but also side hustles. Sure. We talk a lot about side hustles that sometimes turn Get into your side hustle on. Yes. Yeah, sometimes turn in. So he's a plant scientist by day, 
and he gives ghost tours by night. You know, and he said he made, you know, he made 10,000 bucks, you know, doing this on the side, which, you know. Well, that's, a, not, that's a decent that, side that, hustle. That's a decent yeah. side hustle. So just putting that on the radar to, to think, okay, I never woke up and thought, you know, I'm going to be a violin maker. Mm-hmm. But the owner of the violin shop, as a teenager, probably didn't think about that right. as a teenager too. But just, just putting that on the radar and just to say, you can do, you don't have to rely on corporations necessarily to create your income. Amen to that. Amen to that. So Startup High really has uh, emerged as a, as an opportunity for students to really engage the community and, and to first build a professional network early right? and to the other thing we just rege- I t- mentioned, rejection therapy. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> there's a Duke alumni. His name's Zha Jing. And Zha Jing decided to go through 100 days of rejection. Wow. 100 videos uh, on his website. And so we watched some, a few of those videos, and we actually do rejection. So we say, okay, okay we're going to call Starbucks or Domino's and propose an idea. And that idea is for them to deliver a free pizza to us. Okay. And we, we say, okay, you need to talk to the decision maker. You need to tell them your name and explain what you're doing. Okay. You need to basically ex- explain the situation. Mm-hmm. And um, students love it. Has that, anyone ever not rejected? Yes. So out of the 50 times we've done this, uh-huh. probably about half, we've either gotten a free pizza or free coffee or, <laughs> you know, whatever. Whatever it is we're proposing. Right. But And we talk about that's fun. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people laugh. But in the coming years, these students will be proposing much bigger. Yes. The stakes will be bigger. You're presenting a new idea to your CEO. You're proposing mm-hmm. a company hire you. You're a consultant and you need to win business. Right. You know, so there's there's so many things and and hopefully we're 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 grooming students to not crumble if they're rejected. Right. Right. And they're not afraid to propose new ideas because right. that's what's so powerful as I'm listening, because I I mean, I'm not a social scientist, but I can't imagine how large the number of missed opportunities are because people are just afraid to get rejected. I mean, that's a, that is a real fear. And I have a, a very good friend who's a seasoned professional, and she had a, pursued a couple of opportunities lately, and I was trying to get her to p- pursue something else. And she said, I just don't think I can take another rejection. I mean, and this is someone who is accomplished. So to e- equip those students again w- with that as early in life as it is you all are doing is so powerful. Now, you're a limited resource, even though you're a business man. <laughs> <laughs> trying to be. Trying to be like Jay-Z. You're, you're well on your way. Do you all teach other communities how to do this? Yes. So the business model right now of Startup High is uh, I work with school districts, and we train the teachers. So okay. the teachers have been running these programs in the summer, and we package it. We work with all the businesses locally. We we plan everything okay. and give the, the schedule and the curriculum to teachers in districts. So... So yes, yeah, so it's it's scalable at this point. Mm-hmm. I, I've run many of these over the years, but uh, this year, Hillsborough was the only one really that I was a part of because I was local and wanted sure. to walk around in my own town. But uh, uh, yeah, so it's, it's so the, the districts have been. Uh, but this been could the boots be on the so big, Scott. I mean, this is something I even see like the Department of Commerce being interested in. Because it, particularly in those underserved communities, sure, uh, and to partner with school districts to do something like this, I think is so powerful. 
So the ecosystem, you look at the ecosystem of something like this. So you have space and the business community. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, a few months ago, we emailed almost all of the chambers of commerce in around North Carolina. Wow. And almost all of them said, yes, we're willing to host, right? So we have I'm not a, bit surprised. a home base. Yes. In, in a walkable community, right, and then really you need five or ten businesses to run mm-hmm. one session, and so yeah, it's definitely the the and, and the co working spaces. Mm-hmm. We're sitting in Raleigh, founded. You know, think about all the co working spaces right. as their own little ecosystem. Raleigh, founded has what a few hundred entrepreneurs, small businesses, and think about harnessing the untapped resources of a city right. and connecting them with. The rising generation. I love that's, it. That's the overarching mission and vision is to mm-hmm. make those connections. So Ted Zoller, I don't know if you t- Ted Zoller at UNC Chapel Hill, mm-hmm. he did some research called Deal Makers, and he, okay. he, I believe he met with Warren Buffett as well and talked about the strength of an economy Wow. and said the strength of an economy is based on the connections between investors, business owners, service providers, and educators maybe. So it, 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 he... He did research on all these connections wow. and said there's strong connections. And so that's the, that's really what makes up the strength of an economy and how deals are done and how mm-hmm. uh, things get done in a particular economy. Wow. So, th- so think about relating that to the strength of connections between our young people and the business community and okay. their ability to navigate their careers and the, the strength of having a, a greater network that can help them navigate. Mm-hmm. That is so powerful. I'm so glad you brought it back to connectedness. I mean, this really is, and I just don't, the, in addition to the young folks, I, I'm telling you there's so many people that aren't young that, that are working folks or folks who are, are mid-career or even early career who need to understand just how powerful this connection is, connecting is. Uh, and obviously you have LinkedIn, but then one of the things I found to be helpful is professional societies. So actually joining professional societies. Most of the professional societies have a LinkedIn page. So if someone's a little reluctant to reach out to an individual, uh, would you think that a professional society would be a good connection for them? Definitely. You know, live events such as conferences, professional societies, you know, our students have gotten involved in AMA. They went to an AMA, American Marketing Association Mm -hmm. conference in Chicago, and they're just immersed in that industry. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's so so impactful when they are surrounded by industry professionals. We've brought students to the Internet Summit for many years here at the Raleigh Convention Center. Mm -hmm. And I would say there's a a multiplying effect when you get out. So so I try to make my class engaging, but Mm -hmm. there's nothing like bringing them to a professional society or professional conference. I would say that changes your your whole perspective, your whole world. You know, you're out of the classroom. And so that time, students that invest time in getting out of the classroom just they see benefits, you know. But too often students say, oh, I got a test. I got an uh, economics test I need to study for. I can't go to this conference. I say sometimes um, I feel like, what if I said, we're going to go to the moon. Elon Musk is going to be there with SpaceX <laughs> in, in, the, in the parking lot. And a student might say, I can't go. I've got an astronomy test I need to right. study for. Right? And, and they're just busy. And so... It, it's hard. I mean, they they have pressure to get good grades, and and, right. and I, I'm all for that. But it just it takes students' willingness to say, okay, I'm I'm going to budget some of my time to make the drive to Raleigh 
or fly to to Chicago mm-hmm. and go to this professional conference, yeah. right? And, and and I'm not gonna be able to do that or, or uh, whatever schoolwork is is I need to catch up with that. Right. No, that is so true. When I went to my very first professional conference, I was an undergraduate at the University of Oklahoma studying industrial engineering, and I went to a National Society of Black Engineer conference. My whole world changed. Everything was so organized, and I met employers. I got a job, okay? At that point, I had had some academic challenges. They didn't care. I walked right up to them and shook their hand. And, all, of course, being a part of the National Society of Black Engineers, they taught us how to interview, what to say, what to wear. So actually being immersed in that environment, that was my first professional conference. It totally changed my world. So what you're saying is so true. And then today, even after you go to a professional conference, you can stay connected because you can, again, connect on LinkedIn and other platforms. So the, I, I hope the students are listening. Budget your time. Please go to these professional meetings. Uh, now, speaking more about Startup High, what kind of students would you be looking for in Startup High or what kind of interest might they have if they would be good candidates to participate? This week, while doing Startup High in Hillsboro, the first day, one student said, I don't want to be here. My parents made me come. That was day one. Okay. As, they, as she walked around downtown, interacted with students, she became hungry for knowledge. You know, we think as educators, we're in the knowledge business, Mm -hmm. right? And we are to a certain extent. Right. But as we help students connect to others, all of a sudden, they become hungrier, it feels Mm. like. When when they understand, oh, this person is doing that or this person is, you know, involved in that project, oh, that's of interest to me, right? And so uh, hungry students really is Mm. what we're curious, willing to ask questions. So we tell all the businesses, do not make a presentation. We okay. are, this is not the worldwide tour of PowerPoint presentations. <laughs> We've all, have you seen enough PowerPoints? I've seen enough PowerPoints. Death by PowerPoint, yes. <laughs> so we tell the students, you are responsible to research the company and to go in and have a one-on-one Q&A. We, we have all the students mm-hmm. prepare a question, and then we go around the room, and the students go up and shake hands with the business owner wow, and have this little fireside chat. what a opportunity. Once again, the the lessons that these students are learning and what they're gaining, I mean, these are life skills. What No matter what they I mean, if they study marketing, if they study a STEM uh, area, going to healthcare, I mean, these are just really life-enriching skills because that they will use certainly in their professional realm, but even just from a relationship standpoint. So speaking of students, what's been the most rewarding part or one of the uh, most, a student who maybe you had experience with that you want to share? We'd love to hear these kinds of stories. So a few months ago, I brought some Campbell students to downtown Raleigh, and we were, as usual, we were looking for a company to engage, and we're associated with uh, Levitate, which is a startup here Mm -hmm. in in Raleigh. And uh, as I was talking to some of the recruiters, I got connected with a former Startup High student from really? year, years ago. Wow. He had just joined this company as a marketing um, analyst, something like that, digital marketing uh, data analytics guy. Oh, how and, cool. Uh, and so he actually came and talked to the Campbell students. So it was this full circle of— Yes. And he mentioned that, you know, 10 years ago, he met Method Savvy, which is a marketing firm in— downtown Durham. Mm-hmm. And he remembered that. And, and, and that interaction, he said, played a part in his career trajectory where he, he, wow. he put that on the radar and 
eventually joined the marketing industry and, and had progressed in his career. And so seeing that full circle come about that is and, fantastic. Uh, and hearing him talk about, you know, as a teenager uh, being involved in marketing, it seemed to that be is so cool. A former startup high person that you meet when you come in. Yay. I love it. I, I'm telling you, I want to see this in more places. And I know we got all of North Carolina, but I'm even thinking about some other communities. Can you tell us about some of the best ideas you've heard coming out of Startup High? Uh, and I think we talked a little bit about Shark Tank, but just a little bit more. I, I love hearing more stories. I think a story is just so powerful in terms of how it helps people understand what resources are and how they might engage them or even an environment. Sure. E- even this week, uh, we've had a, a couple of baking businesses, and I saw some pictures of really artwork for these baking businesses, you know, probably one student I work with that I really enjoyed, she was a hairstylist. So we eventually brought her a chair, like a, a beauty salon chair. Uh-huh. And so she started to do hair in her uh, home. Oh, wow. And, uh, That's awesome. It, it was great to see some of her right. clients that she she would eventually. Can I, I just mean, say this? I'm place. so thrilled to hear you talking about a breadth of types of businesses. I think so often how you said people think that they can't start a business if they don't have a certain innovative idea or, and certainly a lot of people think it has to be techie. So I am so happy to hear you talking about different, the breadth of ideas, because I do think a lot of times folks in service businesses and folks who may be in businesses that are non-technical don't realize that these resources are useful for them and can be made available to them. So go ahead. If you look at a lot of the successful entrepreneurs and you hear their stories, Mm -hmm. they really started in service too. Mark Cuban, Dave and John, I mean, all of them tell the stories of Mm. knocking on doors, selling trash bags and, (laughs) you know, doing all these seemingly menial things. But there's lessons that are built as a young person. Absolutely. No, I mean, I'm, I'm so thrilled again to hear you talking about this. Now, in both of your roles, you're giving the entrepreneurial community and uh, you're working with the entrepreneurial community and the academic community and training them on how to be better founders and business owners. I want this podcast to be about listeners being able to find resources to advance their careers, whether they're, have, they've started their business, a lot of them, that's their focus, or whether they're thinking about starting a business. Uh, so what do you recommend budding entrepreneurs do tomorrow to, ne- to take the next step? Because, you know, a lot of times they're afraid to make that first step. Couple, I love that rejection therapy, but I want to hear Definitely. <laughs> well, a couple of things come to mind, right? Okay. So uh, the first is my own children who were all teenagers. Three, I got three teenagers. And all my students uh, walk in the classroom and have these earbuds in. I don't know if you've seen this. Oh, yes. Apparently, there's these AirPods. Uh-huh. You know, but uh, <laughs> so, um, and I asked my kid, what, what are you listening to? You know, and, you know, they're listening to Spotify and we've mm-hmm. got our playlist and, and, and they're introducing me to all kinds of music. Uh-huh. And what if our young people just budgeted a little bit of time to listen to podcast books that are, talk, that are talking about entrepreneurship, pick your topic, right? And just budget right. a little bit of your time to mm. digest some of the great media that's out there. I've got lots of podcasts that I'll listen to that really inspire me and give me ideas on all the projects that I'm working on wow. and gives me actionable things to say, okay. Can we get b- your playlist? Because, Scott? yeah, happy to, <laughs> happy to share it. You know, how I built this from NPR, I, I love, and, and there are several. I you love know, you NPR. search on entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. 
and there's books out. I mean, there's lots of books. I, I love um, uh, Guy Kawasaki's book, and there's Lean, Lean Startup. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a lot of books out there. Mm-hmm. But um, so, so budge a little bit of time to, okay. to to digest some of the media that's out there. And also, I mean, we talked about LinkedIn, but just connecting with ten people. You okay, know, that's a searching. Who would you want to be like? And think, okay, this wow, this is a person a find, I could yeah. see myself becoming. And then ask for an informational interview. You know, wow. ask for, um, say, I want to ask you a few questions and propose a meeting time. And, uh, you know, if you were to send 20 of those, at least 10 would would connect back. And um, and you could do, and even coffee meetings, you know. Right. I've sat in a lot of coffee shops. You probably too. I mean, mm-hmm. there, there, are, there are some coffee shops that I feel like have been very impactful because of the people that have walked in. I've had impromptu meetings. Sure. So there, there's a... Happy collisions that happen when you're in the right place at the <laughs> right. right time, right? WRL TechWire just locally has a startup guide with lots of um, events. You mm-hmm. know, if you look at all those events and just go to some events and, and start start chatting with people and listening and asking right. questions, all of a sudden your network increases. You meet somebody in an event. You connect with them on LinkedIn. Yep. You, you send them an article that they, they think would be of interest. Then all of a sudden they're impressed and, and, and they're asking you, hey, do you want to do an internship? Right. Here's a here's a, here's a story. So, so um so much good information. <laughs> we t- we try to bring our students up here to Raleigh Founded to to get involved in in the downtown ecosystem. And one student was very hungry. He mm-hmm. said, "I'm going to interview all the Raleigh Founded entrepreneurs." And so I think he wow. emailed a lot of them and and talked to a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And out of that, he got two internship offers. He wasn't really looking for an internship, but but he was really just kind of doing what we're doing. Yep. And he was hungry. And they could tell he was hungry. Right. And so they immediately wanted that hunger to be a part of their company. Right. And so hungry students that are out there asking questions and, and curious, right. those are the students that employers are looking for and they want to be a part of their team. Absolutely. And listen, you said so much powerful stuff that I'm going to help you recap because I know that this is stuff that really can move the needle for folks. So you said if there's something that they can do tomorrow, set aside some time or budget some of their time to listen to something that's entrepreneurial, innovation-related, something that's going to inspire them. Now, everybody can do that. You know, you don't have to be uh, in the Raleigh-Durham era to do that. So so that's one. Then make 10 LinkedIn connections. And I love the strategy of looking at how, who would I want to be like or who's doing something I would like to do and then reach out to 20 people. What? And so then you end up with at least 10. Then find a live event in your area to go to and go to that event, start to meet people, talk to people. So that one may be a little more difficult, but for sure the first two we can get started on tomorrow. And then I love coffee. So, (laughs) (laughs) well, the funny thing, I don't drink coffee. I don't drink beer, but I get lots of emails that say, Hey, do you want to meet for coffee in the morning or a beer after work? We'll meet. I'll have my lemonade or my hot chocolate, but no, I, I love, love spending time in coffee oh shops my gosh, and I do. bars or, you know, wherever somebody oh wants my to be. Oh my gosh, I, I'm, yes. Because these are, are like happy places, sure. you know. And I remember, well, of course, I, I wouldn't have got to graduate school without the coffee shop on, on the corner <laughs> at University of Oklahoma. But these are, are small things that people can start to do. And then, of course, I, I was not joking about your playlist. So hopefully you'll share your playlist with us. And Happy we'll, to do that. Happy to do that. And we'll share it with folks. But you are doing so much to make such an impact, Scott. I mean, this is fantastic. It has been just such a joy to talk with you. I feel like 
I could talk to you for another um, two hours. <laughs> but uh, the story about your son, I think <laughs> parents are going to be borrowing the playing the podcast just that part for their kids. So when they ask them for some money, you know, how what can you do to earn some money? That is so powerful. And how awesome is it that you were able to do that? So is there any parting words you want for our audience, Scott? This has been so fantastic having you here. The big question is, how do you start a business? You know, that that's really ultimately the question. And, and I pose that to the students. And, you know, you get a lot of students say, oh, you need some money or you need an idea or you need uh, a business card or an mm-hmm. office. You know, the list goes on. But you really only need one thing to start a business. You just need a customer. You need mm-hmm. one person to say, yes, you can walk my dog, you can babysit my kids, you can, you know, teach wow. my kid piano. You just need a customer. And, and once you get the one customer, then all of a sudden you have a little bit of a business. And if you get that person to recommend somebody, then you got two customers. Then, you get, then you've just doubled, you've increased your business 100%, right? <laughs> and, then all, and then you just need to find a thousand more like that and, and, and you're on your way, right? So- <laughs> Um, I love it. So customers are are serving customers. I mean, I mean, if you have a servant heart, right, that you are serving customers, uh, mm-hmm. they feel that and they know that uh, uh, you're somebody to to recommend and to uh, to grow your business. Indeed, that's so powerful. And everything you've said, I mean, runs so deep to what good business knowledge is. Uh, the whole. For having that customer, keeping that customer happy. You probably know that I-Corps, the whole point premise of I-Corps is customer discovery, understanding what your customer wants, how to meet their needs, how to uh, reduce their pains and increase their gains. So that's exactly what you're talking about. It has been such a joy. Thank you so much for joining me today, Scott. Appreciate it. I am so excited for what you're doing in the community. And thanks to everyone for listening. Learn more about Startup High. Visit StartupHigh.com. Uh, I am going to make sure I get Scott's playlist and we will share it. And I'm Dr. Pamela McCauley. Look forward to talking with you next time. Thanks so much.